You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Mary Jo Rapini. Uh, she's a psychotherapist specializing in intimacy, sex, and relationships. She has a private practice in Houston, Texas, and she's a renowned lecturer, author, and uh, TV personality. She's been on uh, many different shows talking about her work. So, Mary Jo, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Oh, good. So, so within the realm of sex and relationships, do you, do you focus just on intimacy and relationships or people that have problems with intimacy? Like what's the, the focus of your work? Uh, both, actually. I I have a partner at Baylor College of Medicine and he's the, um, he heads up the sexual dysfunction unit at Baylor. He's a urologist. And so we deal with Anything from, you know, personal people that have just, you know, individuals that have problems with their sexuality or um, couples who basically have been married for a long time and are, you know, in a stage where their emotional capacity to love each other has been deteriorated, whether it's through resentment or just loss of touch or neglect or something physical. So I really do the whole gambit. I, I'm a pretty avid writer, so a lot of my clients come in from different cities other than the Houston metro area. They come in from New York, or um, I just had something published in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. I was a contributor for an article about the importance for some people to sleep in separate beds if they're going to keep their marriage together and happy and um, you know, it, so things like that bring me new clients and it just continues to generate like that. Okay. Um, what are some of the major issues that you run into, let's say, within, uh, you know, within a marriage? And we'll start with that. I think the most important thing is that a lot of people want a quick fix. You know, one day they kind of wake up and they're in this relationship and they haven't been paying attention a lot or they've been distracted with work or their phones, or their, you know, whatever they do on the weekends, maybe kids, and they wake up and they realize, you know, I haven't been happy for a long time, what's going on, and their immediate um, thought or cure is to go to a physician and maybe get some pills, try some stuff, and the problem is, is that pills work for some people, but they don't work for everyone, and if you've not been dealing with what you're feeling in a relationship, whether it has you have leftover grief or let's say you got a divorce and you had guilt about it or just felt really emotionally beat up from it, those sorts of things can add to feelings of hostility, 
uh, depression, resentment, and anger. And it doesn't matter what kind of pills your doctor gives you. If you're in a relationship with someone, you're not going to be able to perform and you're not going to be able to be happy. Um, you know, in in your life, something's missing. And I think my job as a sex therapist is mostly helping people understand that how you feel about things is very important and it absolutely affects your physical health as well. Again, what are some issues? Just waking up unhappy? I mean, what's, uh, what's the procedure from well, there? If you're I think taking like, pills, I, you know, I can see why that wouldn't help, but what, what do you do? What is a better way? Um, well, you know, if you have feelings of resentment or affairs or, you know, someone betrayed you with money or someone, you know, it, you're dating and you're not able to connect with other people or you're, you know, basically you have a bad self-concept. You don't like your body. You don't like the way you're aging. These are all um, scenarios of what brings people to therapy. I think the number one thing is they're married and they feel like they're not happy being married. There's a false assumption that marriage is supposed to make you happy. And that is totally a myth. You know, what makes you happy is you wanting to serve your partner and getting married for the right reasons. It's it's not about when you get married, what your partner can bring to you. It's you know, are you willing to grow? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to change the way you are to become a better version? Uh, marriage is a lifestyle that basically helps people grow. It was never designed to make people happy. That's why it's important that you're emotionally mature before you undertake marriage. If you if you aren't ready for that sort of commitment and that sort of steadiness and being willing to work out issues instead of stop, you know, instead of just quitting or giving up, then you don't, you shouldn't get married. So what the, I mean, do you do personal counseling or do you have like a set of recommendations you give to people in some format? Like what's the, the way you do it? Um, I do do personal counseling and I use a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know how many therapists you've talked to, probably not a real lot because in the world of technology, it might not be as important, but um, in in counseling, basically what works the best for the couple depends on the issue at hand. I see individuals, but the majority of my work since individuals in and of themselves um, no matter how unhappy they are, they're searching for somebody else. And so it usually involves couples because even if you're unhappy, you usually can find a partner who you will thus um, probably make up even more unhappy until you get your stuff together. And, and it essentially comes back to what's going on with you. I do prescribe homework. I have homework on my website. I have a vibrant and growing YouTube station. Um, that's completely free. People can subscribe to it. And on that station, you can also download homework. And the homework is designed in a way that it helps you personally or you and your partner become very clear about what the issues are. There's are several different homeworks. Um, there, you know, there's anywhere from boundaries to emotional abuse to, you know, getting ghosted or gaslighted or whatever's happening right now um, in your life. And because of the social media aspect, 
there's a lot more variety in the issues myself as well as almost every psychologist or relationship therapist is seeing right now. You mentioned being ghosted and being gaslighted. What's what's involved there? What have you seen happen? Well, mostly, you know, ghosting is just when you're the person that swears to love you and attaches to you and is very close to you uh, when they just disappear, you know, without any notice. They just completely wipe out their phone. You can't contact them. If you do, they don't answer back. They just quit. And it's called ghosting. And some of the people that are ghosters go on to become haunters. And the haunters are when basically they continually check up on you. They continually look at your social media and sometimes even will like it in an effort to let you know that they're still there. But basically, they just aren't responsible enough for whatever reason to, you know, break up with you in person or to, you know, make a decision. They're they're usually quite emotionally immature really? people. Yeah. And Wait, so you, are, are you seeing this? I mean, government. Are you seeing this in long-term relationships or marriages? Are you seeing this just in like younger people that um, just are dating for a while? It isn't as common in long-term relationships, mostly because the couples are so much more adept at reading each other. So it's usually when you're dating someone. The problem is that they make you feel like you're very much a part of their life. So there's some deception involved with ghosting. And I think that's the most hurtful part. And the other hurtful part is to really move on from a relationship. You need to be able to make some kind of a closure on it, or at least it's very helpful to. And um, so basically the ghosting aspect makes it so you can't really uh, ever do that. And so it's, it's sort of a backward slap in the face, but I'm not sure that that's consciously intentional. Along, you know, when they the pretty spineless thing to do. Yeah, have you? I'm sure you've contacted the, you know, the people that have been ghosted. But what about the ghosters themselves? Have you had any of them and spoken to them and say, you know, um, why well, did you, you do know, that? Well, because they are somewhat, as I have alluded to, emotionally irresponsible. They usually don't end up in therapy because to go to therapy, you really have to be mindful and you really have to be self-aware and you have to be um, curious about why you behave the way you do and and want to change. And so right away when people say, well, I would never go to therapy, I believe them because I can see with the way they live that that's kind of their motto. They're, they're really not wanting to change. They're not a curious people and they're not always educated because when you're educated, then I think automatically what happens is you develop more um, self-awareness. And I'm not saying college-educated. I mean just an educated mindset. Um, in order to want to seek higher education, you almost have to be aware, self-aware of what your situation is and what you could potentially turn out to be or what you would like to turn out to be. So... Um, I have not talked to a lot of ghosters. I think it's it's kind of the idea that they know it's a bad thing to do, and they would be somewhat embarrassed or shamed to admit it as well. What is uh, gaslighting then? Gaslighting is 
is when you come on so strong and you're going to do everything you're going to take over, but they're also very controlling and, um, and they're going to take over all right. But within their takeover, they're going to re they're going to maintain total control. And it's a way for them to get inside your head. They're somewhat manipulative and many times abusive. It's not a good sign. You know, if somebody really likes you, that's great. And, you know, there's an appropriate way to let that person know that they really like you. But when you over flatter and, you know, let's say that the person's mother is ill and you're offering to come to the hospital and see the person's mother with them, you know, after you just met them or to take food over there or something, that's just too much. It's almost like something doesn't feel right or smell right. And you should trust your gut because gaslighters are, are even, I think, I personally think more dangerous than ghosting. I mean, ghosting is kind of a cowardly act, right? But gaslighting, you can really um, these people are manipulators and they're control freaks. And uh, if you let them into your into your head or your heart, they could really drag you down and make you feel worthless. Their whole motive is to make you feel less than, so they can they can always be superior and save you. So what what's an example of someone gaslighting someone? What does that mean? They're just they they're like uh, I don't know. All of a sudden they're they're there for you and they're a big presence in your life? Or does it mean that they are mad at you and they're going to destroy you and they publicly say they're going to destroy you? I mean, what 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 happens? What's the behavior? Uh, gaslighters are smooth. So they basically, it's not that they, um, they're going to come across as very charming. Your friends are going to like them. They're basically um, in disguise. They're, they're masqueraders. They're control freaks. They're um manipulators they are i mean i i alluded to an example if your mother if you meet them and they decide that you're a target and they really like you and they tell you they really like you before before you even really know them so i would say the second date let's say you tell them your mother is really ill and in the hospital and they're offering to take you to the hospital to sit with your mother and maybe even to cook for you. That's overwhelming on a on a date, a second date, when you don't even know this person. But because there's so many lonely people in the world, they get sucked into it. They get sucked into the attention. They get sucked into the extreme generosity, and they take advantage. Like, they'll say, okay, that sounds great. And that's letting them, that's letting a gaslighter in. That's the first step that, okay, now the person can see more. The more control they can get of you, the more they're going to use it against you. And it's very difficult to get rid of them because they will, they're not above throwing you know, like saying insults about you on social media or, you know, just making your life hell wherever they can. So it's a good idea if when you know, if someone approaches you and they're too much too soon, then it's a good idea to to not take, to not let them in, just keep them at arm's length. Right. It's okay. a basically a manipulation well, tactic. Right, right. So what are some of the... Uh... 
the recent trends you're seeing in in relationships the past few years? What's new and different about how people are interacting? Or is there anything that's new and different? Well, you know, basically people still are looking for love and the way they meet people almost exclusively right now is online. And I think that's a big difference in what we're seeing with couples. I think, you know, it might have been in the past that you met someone through a friend, maybe through a friend of a friend, but that's no longer true. And so when you're dating people online, it's important that you understand the, the the first thing they see is your photo as well as your profile. So I really caution people to be smart when you're writing a profile. Know exactly what you want from from this other person. What are you looking for? Some people aren't looking for relationships. They're looking for hookups. So keep that in mind because if you're looking for a hookup, then you're going to get a hookup. And if you're looking for a relationship, you may or may not. You're going to have to wade through a lot of people and um, maybe. But a lot of it depends on the picture you post. You know, a lot of people will complain to me, well, I, there's, no good, there's no good partners out there. They all want one thing. And I say, okay, well, let's look what you posted. And they posted a very seductive picture as well as their profile is like it's so vague and it's open to fun and excitement well you know that's up to whoever reads it what fun and excitement is so you know be honest with what you want do you want a relationship what does that look like to you um that gets people in a lot of trouble i think the dating apps are the biggest thing and i think a lot of the communication is poor right now i think people don't know how to talk Um, They're very stilted in conversation. They're very uncomfortable. Words don't flow freely. And they text. And, you know, let's face it, people have a hard time communicating eye to eye. When you text, there's there's bound to be a lot of misconceptions. So um, I'm reading more text uh... and Facebook lives than I ever have in my life. Well, all right. So is your encouragement then, let's say you meet someone online it sounds seems promising what's your recommendation is as soon as possible try to <laughs> i guess at least do a video chat or you know ideally you see them in person but what uh, I, I mean what do you do I so that you don't get been, stuck in the realm of text yeah i think as soon as possible i would i would make it clear how i like to communicate if i don't want to communicate with a text i will tell them up front if i prefer a phone call I tell them up front. Now, you know, some people are afraid to do that because they're like, nobody's going to do that. Well, you take that chance. How picky are you and how, how needy are you? Do you need a relationship now? If, you need, if you're in a hurry and you need one quicker, you're going to have to take what you get. If you feel like there's no rush, I'd rather have quality than quantity, then slow down. I would never meet someone in person until I had talked with them at length for at least three months. That's my own personal goal. Um, that's my own personal, I don't know, value. And I would, I'm, I'm married, so I don't have to worry about that. But that's just how I feel about it. The longer you delay sex, the, the better, especially if you want a long-term relationship. Uh, once sex gets into the picture, physical um, 
physical need and the whole idea of having sex with someone can really make a relationship look differently than it is. And if I were, if I thought this person was special enough to someday have sex with, then I would take my time waiting until I really knew this person was someone I wanted to have in my life. And that doesn't happen for, you know, the first month, the second month. I'm not about any, I always tell people it's not the first date. It's not the third date. It's the date that you feel like this is a person you're probably going to want in your life. Because it is a big deal. I like it to be a big deal. I don't ever want sex to be casual. If someone reduces it to casual sex, um, they would not be a person that I would ever really be able to respect or, you know, think much of. And then it'd be funny to tell someone, I only have sex by text, not in person, just to mess with Yeah. Them. Well, you know, there's a I mean, lot of... I'm just of, kidding. Uh, it's not possible. Well, no, kidding. I think there's a lot of people that I work with, especially people that fly in, that have, that is their relationships. They text someone, they find someone online they are interested in, and they text them and they set up and they have sex with them. But make no mistake, that's why they're miserable in their life. That might work for you for you know, a year or two, whatever, but there's going to come a point in your life where that will no longer wait, you know, work for you. And then switching from that to something more monogamous and maybe even sacred, they, they're never, um, it just is never as fulfilling for them because they don't, they're just not able to do it. And they end up feeling badly about themselves and um, and, you know, the relationships are just miserable. I, I almost, as a therapist, just want to tell them, you guys know this isn't going to work. And I think we should just let this one go. But they want it so bad because they've lived their life alone in a very superficial, physical way. And, you know, it just can no longer feed them or fulfill what they want in life. You know, we, we can say whatever we want. But I think the more emotionally um, mature or maybe the higher you get in your emotional intelligence, the majority of people want something purposeful and meaningful in their relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. Any, um, I don't know, what does a a good relationship have in it versus not have in it? You know, in terms of behaviors, uh, communication behaviors. So does a good relationship have more phone calls versus texts and it does a good relationship have, uh, you know, preset, uh, we're going to have dinner together X nights a week. I mean, what are some of the hallmarks of a healthy relationship or, you know, the, the behaviors that you encourage people to engage in to bolster and strengthen their relationship? Wow. I have a, several videos about that on YouTube, but I think, you know, overall, what's really important for couples is not so much how you communicate, but that you communicate and that both partners feel good about the way they communicate. You know, it's marriage is very individualistic and what works for one couple is not what works for another couple. So when you're talking about hallmarks, we get into trouble because people compare their relationship to other people that they know. And if it doesn't look the same, 
and they're having a bad day or maybe they're just kind of in a rut in their own relationship, they can concur that that means there's something wrong with their relationship. But many times it's not. You know, sex is such a big deal in relationships, but at the same time, some of the closest marriages and relationships I've been witness to as a therapist are sexless. Well, they're intercourseless, but yet they have such an incredible emotional intimacy and closeness that they are incredibly happy. And as long as both partners feel like that's what they want in their relationship, those relationships work great. Now, if you had one person that wanted sexual intercourse and the other didn't, you'd have a problem and that marriage would not be as good. But, but I can't even say that a, sex, a lot of sex in the marriage is good. I do think physical intimacy is important, but that can be done through touch and through um, cuddling and through many other ways other than physical intercourse. And I, you know, so it's expanding your mind and making sure when you communicate that you talk, you're able to talk to your partner and that they agree. If your partner doesn't agree, then it's not going to work. I think responding to each other's good news when one person shares good news that's something I put a lot of attention to. I think that's a really good sign. That means usually that they that they don't compete and they're on each other's side. I think um, if you have thoughts about your partner when you're not with them and the thoughts are good thoughts, like you're thinking things they said to you or happy things, that's a really good sign. Um if you are invested in hobbies and friends and projects away from your partner that are different than your partner, that's an awesome sign. I really like to see that because you're bringing, you're getting refueled and re-energized, and that means you're going to bring that interest back into your marriage. So your partner's going to continually be inspired and maybe taught and changed by by what you're doing. I think both partners have to do that. It's really important. I look how couples split rules, how they split chores. Um, if the woman is doing everything or the guy is doing everything, I don't like to see that. I know in a marriage like that, there's going to be resentment and resentment comes out in the bedroom. And so I know eventually they're going to have problems with affection. And um, so I try to, to help clarify that for them and maybe start working on that right away. If they're both willing to try new things together, even if they don't like it, like let's say she wants to go hear a band that he doesn't, but he's like, you know what, I, it's the last thing I want to do, but I love you. And so, yeah, let's go. I, that's a really good sign. Um, and vice versa. She should make those accommodations for him. It, if you have too many highs or lows in a relationship, like something's always happening and there's always um, there's a lot of drama, very bad signs in a relationship. Yeah. Good relationships don't have that. They are pretty, um, they, their, their peaks are much less. They go along pretty well. They have a they have bumps. They have bad times, 
but they, they're not peaking and they're not full of drama and who said who and what said what. And I think how close they feel after arguments. How long does it take them to turn to each other and feel close like they can actually talk about something and resolve it and say they're sorry to each other? It's a great relationship. So those are things I kind of go through in my own head, but we don't do it step by step. In therapy, I'm watching, but more than watching, I'm watching and listening. I'm looking at their eyes when they talk because I've met some really good liars, but it's hard to lie to me if I can see your eyes. People just do weird things with their, with their eyes. So Yeah, well, that's true. Well, very very good. Um, any again, any trends that you see that uh, are important to take note of in relationships? You you know, you mentioned, for instance, that um, I don't know, most people meet online. I guess uh, you know, I'm old enough to to have been around 20 years ago, 25 years ago, where meeting online was kind of weird. You know, if you met someone mm-hmm. online, people kind of poke fun at you. Oh, you met someone in a chat room or something. But now, I guess it seems like it's the norm. I've been I've been out of the race for a while, but uh, you know, being married yeah. myself, but what, what, how often do people meet online versus uh, more traditional, like meet in person type things? Oh, I, I would say it's almost like 80% online. And Tinder really? seems to be the biggest um, online that, that my population works for. Like the people I see, the majority of them meet on Tinder. I don't think many, pe- as many people, I think they meet, you know, I think they still go out to events and things like that, but I, I don't see maybe um, maybe that would be a good demographic to study because it might be older people who meet that way. But the majority of the millennials on down are meeting online now. And I think what online offers, too, is a diversity. You know, if you meet in person, then you're going to meet more of probably like what your friends are or people you hang out with. Online, there's a big diversity, and there's a movement toward that. People want someone different. They want, they want, they're challenged by it. They want to try something new. So I see more. Well, of people that. may 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 be attracted to novelty. You know, let's say I'm Caucasian, and I I don't know, I want to date someone that's Asian. But right. when people end up in in relationships, do they tend to end up with people that are pretty similar to them or do you see like uh, very unusual pairings work what do you see the reality is versus what people say they want well interracial is becoming more popular however it still it still has quite a few issues with it and it's not easy it can be very stressful you know it's interesting people marry someone the first time the first time you marry this was not true for subsequent marriages but the first time you marry someone that person may not be like you at all, but they're within five points of your IQ. And so anyone who marries the first time, you know, I know those marriages aren't always golden. Um, however, that person is probably going to be the most like you of subsequent people. So, you know, there's a lot of myths out there. Everybody thinks that everybody wants to marry someone like them, but I think most the majority of people kind of want someone different. The, one of the most important things, though, that in my opinion, and maybe just because I'm pretty cerebral, as is my husband, but I think, I think what's very important to me is their education and also how they think. 
I, I would w- always want to marry someone that had that our IQs or our abilities were similar, our thinking abilities. Because, um, and I say that very honestly, because in marriage, if you really want a good marriage, then you have to be the kind of person that is going to attack marriage as if, okay, we're two smart people and we can really, we brain solve well. Surely if we end up in a problem in this marriage, we will be able to brainstorm ideas to work through it together. And that is our motto in marriage. And I've been married to the same guy since I was 20. And when we have a rough time, you know, I always remind him, listen, we're two smart people and we have been through a lot of hills and valleys and we just have to brainstorm. And I literally get out a sheet of paper and we brainstorm solutions. And I, if I give my clients nothing else, I try and give them the idea that they created this marriage. And anything you can create, you can tweak it and you can change it so that it suits you better, so it fits better. Now, if there's abuse or, you know, addictions or something like that, then you're limited with what you can change. Abuse, you have to get rid of it. You, you just absolutely have to end that relationship. And addiction, many times, if they're not willing to go to rehab, if they love their addiction more than they love you, then you have to end it. Because especially if you have children, you just cannot expose them to that crazy world. It's not responsible yeah, parents. It's true. So, um, well, very, yeah, well, you know, very good. Um, what I was going to ask is uh, what, what are some resources for listeners? You know, we're, we're kind of at the end. You've given a lot of good stuff, but you know, how can people get in contact if they're uh, and tenderized and they want to help with their relationship and you know where do they find you right the best way is my website it's mary m-a-r-y joe j-o rapini r like robert a like apple p like peter i n like nancy i um, dot com my twitter is at mary joe rapini my instagram is at mary joe rapini my Facebook is Mary Jo Rapini LPC. You can watch me on Fox 26 every Monday and Thursday morning at 9.22 a.m. And Google, just go to Google and Google my name and it, everything will pop up. We can't find you on Tinder, though. I'm just kidding, but we find you in all good, <laughs> reputable places. No, you no won't way. see me on Tinder <laughs> but but I promise you that I will um, respond to any questions i'm i'm very compulsive so i have that ability when i see something i can't ignore it okay well very good well mary joe thank you for coming on the podcast i appreciate it thanks a lot you're listening to the future tech podcast with richard jacobs future technologies such as artificial intelligence stem cells 3d printing gene editing bitcoin blockchain the microbiome Quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. 
No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.